Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Inside the Winner's Circle here on the Win Life Podcast with Awilda Rivera. I'm super, super excited today because I have Jessica Murphy with me, the founder and creator of Dirty South Yoga Fest, the Southern-oriented yoga conference festival, uh, a biggest event of the year in existence with several now in its sixth year, having covered Atlanta last year, NOLA, and in the year coming up in 2020, taking people for a dirty South adventure south of the equator in Chile. Jessica, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That was super kind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm just telling the truth. So I wanted to have you on today because a lot of people, especially in the Southeast, know who you are or know of your event. For those of them, for those of the listeners who are maybe on the West Coast or in the Northeast or in the Plain States, tell them a little bit about what Dirty South is. Yeah, well, Dirty South Yoga Fest, um, right now it expresses itself as a community grassroots yoga festival, which is an opportunity to bring together the yoga community um, and highlight the offerings that are taking place here in the South. Um, I think originally it came out of the concept that I think some people had stereotypes about the South and that um, yoga might look a little different here. And really, instead of highlighting the differences we wanted to bring together and celebrate the really thriving yoga community that already exists here and um, highlight the instructors that are so integral to um, so many people's practices. That's amazing. So it really came from a place of wanting to uplift the community and highlight these amazing sort of outlets that were already in existence. Yeah, exactly. And it really was a, the concept of, I wasn't doing anything original. I was just providing a platform for what is already there, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would even challenge that to say that, yes, while you were providing a platform, it was original in the sense that no one had done it in the South and no one had thought to do it for the for the south before so let's take it a step back before we've gotten to to where you are now and talk to me a little bit about like young jessica what was what was young jessica into did you know was yoga something you knew about as a a little person or what what did you want to be when you grew up well i mean i always joke that i went to my first yoga class um when my mom was pregnant with me so i've been doing it in utero (laughs) but um so yoga was kind of a a presence in my life early on um my mom was very conscious of um you know she took it she used it for prenatal um health and well-being but we we were exposed to exercise and mindful living from a young age I myself didn't really wasn't really drawn to yoga until my teenage years um I just had, I was an athlete and I just had a a desire to um, continue supporting my physical training, but I was just drawn to the aspect of yoga and that it was so different from so many of the other um, activities I was involved in. Um, And then it just, for years, I had a, 
very casual practice. And so um, when I think about Dirty South Yoga Fest, I, I really am thinking about my own experience about years and years of being a casual practitioner and wanting more. Um, and that was really, the festival was really designed with those people in mind because um, you can go to a yoga class, but there's, there's something that happens when you allow yourself more time to dive deeper. Um, so that's part of the ideal of the yoga festival. Cool. So, okay. So at a young age, you're exposed to yoga, you're exposed to mindful living. So you already had sort of this insight that others around you didn't possess about uh, the beauty of being present, how your body can alchemically change your emotions and your energy and all of that. So, okay, so you become an adult, right? And you, you know, whatever you do after college, whether it's, I mean, after high school, whether it's college or working, you know, how did, how did this come to be later in life? Like, what were you doing in the in-between years? Did you get away from this idea of sort of the yoga community at all? Or was it through a continued existence within that community that this came to be? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I was such a, in my early 20s, I was very much a casual practitioner. So I wouldn't even say I was connected to the community. I think I was going in and out of studios, kind of missing that connection. Um, and, you know, I, ha- I went to college. I did all the normal things. I got an office job. Um, and early on in my twenties, I was like, this just isn't working for me. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to, and it doesn't feel right or even good really. So, um, so, you know, I, yoga was a way for me to cope with kind of being unfulfilled in other areas of my life. Um, but it was very personal and I think I, I craved the community but I hadn't connected to it myself partially because um, I am an introvert. And like, that's one of the things that yoga is really great. I think a lot of people are drawn to it are introverts, but that doesn't mean that there's not still a desire for community. Um, So early on in my twenties, I was using it more as a stress management um, kind of, coping with my personal journey and kind of helping me when I was on the, I don't want to say wrong path, but when I was on a path that wasn't fulfilling me. Mm. And I want to kind of pause there and really like bold italicize and underline something you just said, which was, I was doing all the things I was supposed to do. I did all the quote unquote normal things and it just didn't feel good. Yes. <laughs> right. And I just I, I think it's so important that people listening because, you know, they could not have anything to do with yoga and have like the furthest interest from doing anything like Dirty South Yoga Fest. But what you have in common with so many people that they can learn from and apply to their own life, you know, if they're on the complete other spectrum is that feeling of knowing something is wrong with the course of action you're taking and realizing that that course of action is something that you were engaging in, not necessarily because you wanted to, but because some external influence that you decided to adhere to had told you that was the right thing to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think right now, culturally, we're experiencing a little bit of a shift with like, more options than ever before for creating your own life. But, you know, early 2000s, I don't think there were quite as many options. It was still kind of in this go to school, go to college, get a job, get married. I think that's still an undercurrent, of course, in our culture. But Mm -hmm. um, there's just so many more opportunities arising with with the way our society is going now. Um, And I think I was very much feeling that, that, uh, that cultural shift, which um, obviously impacted my, my life pretty drastically. Mm. And, you know, I, for those of you listening, you know, I talk about this in the book, Success Math, what Jessica is describing is this sort of this moment of clarity where she realized that she needed to redefine success on her own terms. For sure. Well, right. Yeah. That it, I would, I would add to that from the point of realizing I was on the, the wrong path to, to where I am now. There were many years of not knowing what that looks like. If that makes exactly. Sense. And I'm so, so glad that you, are candid enough to say that because, you know, I always say no matter who I'm interviewing, what you think you may be setting out to accomplish may not look anything like what you ultimately accomplish in the end. But as long as you're sort of the arbiter of that and you're you're the one captaining that ship and shaping those intentions and those visions, it's so much more satisfying even in the moments of failure than following someone else's idea of success. Absolutely. Um, there's a book called Pivot. Um, I can't remember the name. I think it's Jenny Blake. But the concept of her book is um, the only important step right now is the next step. So it's like, you know, you don't have to have your full life vision. You can have th- your vision. You can have what's driving you. But really just taking that one step of what's best for you in this moment um, is all you really need to focus on right now. Because um, mm. I think people can get overwhelmed with the, the amount of choices that there are. Oh, of course. I mean, there people, I would encourage anyone that thinks that that's not true to really look up decision fatigue. It is a studied, studied concept that, really can take a toll on us. And that's why the clearer that we are about what we don't want to do, the easier it is for us to know what we do want to do without having to kind of make a ton of unnecessary choices in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, okay, so we, we're in the early 2000s now, sort of chronologically, right? And you're recognizing that this isn't what it's going to be. There's still a bit of time between then and the genesis of Dirty South Yoga Fest. Talk to talk to me a little bit about, you know, what you just mentioned, that time of like 
getting really uh, clear on what your passion looks like, because so many people that come to me and, and listen to this show and so many shows like this are listening because they themselves may be struggling to identify their passion. They themselves may be looking for some guidance or some type of, type of a template, right? Or some type of validation that all of their effort <laughs> isn't for naught. Yeah. And while I could tell them, you know, every episode, like, yes, keep doing it, right? It helps for them to hear from from you, from the, the guests and your unique experiences. What was it like to maneuver those times of uncertainty and, and some of those times of, um, of just questioning. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my approach was a little, um, untraditional. I mean, other people have done this too, but I kind of had what, what I would call a quarter life crisis. Um, you know, Oh yeah. Like I have in, a book. My friend wrote a book called that. Yeah. I think it's, I think <laughs> everyone experiences some form of that. Um, but I, you know, like I mentioned, wasn't happy in my job or what I thought would make me happy. And um, so I started saving money. I moved back in with my parents. And then once I had enough cushion to to make myself feel a little bit safe, I um, bought a one-way ticket to South America. And, um, you know, it was really important for me to be on this trip on my own, like it was very much a personal journey to go to another country to um, learn to navigate it by myself and, you know, just kind of have an experience that was out in the world that would allow me to get to know myself better. Um, So that was a pretty, pretty drastic step that not necessarily everyone needs to take. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I ended up in that journey, I my sister was teaching English in Colombia, so I went to see her first. So I wasn't completely on my own. But then I went down to Chile and I started working at a surf camp there. And um, I, I knew that I wanted to find a place to stay and live rather than just be traveling. Um, so I ended up spending a year in um, Chile and it was incredible and hard and really brought me face to face with um, myself in many different ways. So um, I don't know if that's for everyone, but it was definitely a very um, confronting experience that made me really proud of myself for for going and doing something difficult and um, and surviving. I really love how you put that because not only were you brave enough to say, hey, this is what I had to do. This is what made sense for me. But you also, you know, are have the awareness to to say to those listening like, hey, you know, that doesn't mean you need to run out and do it. You need to really determine, you know, as I talk about the lot, whether or not this is the next logical stage for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So you went through a period of sustained and organic growth when you chose to intentionally kind of downsize, move back with your parents, save up money. And then you had to really think what's, what is the next logical stage? What, if I go to Chile, is this going to take me to the next stage of sustained organic growth? And, you know, you had to make a brave choice because you knew that going alone was going to put you in a situation to accelerate, right? In many ways that, that path to self-awareness and 
you know, for the yogis out there or for those people that don't know anything about yoga, this is a really important concept within the first two prongs of, of the tree of yoga, which is yamas and niyamas and, and self-study being one of them, right? Yeah. Um, as well as like contentment. And I mean, pretty much all of those 10 principles come into serious um uh, what's the word use when you're going on this type of a sojourn? Yeah. Well, so what, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Well, what you said about the self-study, I, I do think that is very much, you know, I wasn't, I, I had a yoga practice at this time, but I wasn't practicing on my own, but I do consider this experience very much a yoga journey because, you know, the Bhagavad Gita says, yoga is the journey of the self through the self to the self and that was really the essence of this experience for me like at one point when I was you know had some in-between time there was a lot of spaciousness I was just trying not to spend any money and um, basic my basic question to myself every day was what do you want to do today and it was as simple as today I just want to walk on the beach today I want to read a book and it it kind of brought me to that point of checking in with the things that really are fulfilling um, to me personally. Yeah. And I mean, again, that's so important because, you know, someone can have a vision of success that is whatever it is. Right. Um, But if that vision exists in a vacuum that is devoid of personal balance and connection with the the world around you, then it's not really success, right? It's, it's just sort of the, uh, alienated accomplishment of a task. Mm -hmm. And what you're talking about in terms of doing this work and, you know, what I love about it is that you are so intentional and direct and, you know, something I talk about in success math is the idea of the M over E variable, right? And this whole trip is where you, you know, you looked at your personal pros. You're like, how am I talking to myself? You had to engage in self-talk. So you were hella aware of like how you were treating yourself or just why you talk about what am I going to do today? Mm-hmm. Right. How can I make myself happy? Taking actions that really take advantage of the world around you and really put you face to face with yourself. So you have this incredible experience in Chile and you, you know, like we said, you had a, a true yogic experience because so many limit the idea of yoga to the physical postures when yoga is so much bigger than that. Um, and then you come back to the U.S. and then what happened? Yeah, well, so while I was in Chile, I, I kind of realized, you know, on on the end of my trip, I was like, OK, I'm I'm getting close to being ready to go home. It's it's time for me to go back, um, step outside of this this uh separated experience and go back home and reconnect and kind of recalibrate. Um, But one of the things that I was very clear on was that I wanted to get my yoga teacher training. So that became my main next goal. So I moved home and I was starting from scratch. So I was fortunate to have my parents who I was living with again. Um, And I just started nannying and saving money uh, for yoga teacher training. And as soon as I got accepted to yoga teacher training, I applied for a job at Lululemon as well, because that really complements yoga teacher training. 
Um, and this was really the stage that my yoga journey went from being very personal to being more community driven. Um, and I think it was the combination of yoga teacher training and working at a environment that encouraged yoga practice, encouraged me to go out and meet people in the community and kind of pushed me to connect with other people. Um, and in that environment of having yoga and having like people who share yoga values um, in community, that's when I really started to thrive. Um, and it just felt good. It felt good to connect with people and meet people and go to classes and learn. Um, so it was kind of a, a opportunity, a bunch of opportunities coming together, but being able to check in and say like, hey, this is making me feel really good. This is making me feel like I'm good at this. And um, just noticing that it, I was no longer in a place of survival. I was in a place where I was beginning to thrive. Mm, mm. And you know what's so important is that that moment of you thriving, and I hope that you guys listening at home are, are really keying in on this. It, she didn't say, oh, and then I decided I was going to make Dirty South Yoga Fest, and I made a million dollars, and then I was <laughs> thriving. No. She said, I figured out what, would, what I wanted to do. I dedicated myself to pursuing that. I found a community, a tribe that supported that, and then I began to thrive. Yes. And there's still so much left in her story that then was just an amazing, beautiful byproduct of this actuality of her doing the work to experience the joy that she knew was available to her. Yeah, well, and I love that you pointed out that, you know, the financial component, because I think, you know, that's something that even in this phase of my life, I, I really was thriving. I was thriving in the energy of doing what you enjoy. And I was still figuring out the financial piece. I was like stringing things together, doing lots of teaching all over the city, um, trying to make it work. So I was still in the work of figuring it out. You know, you can, I think you can be in a place of thriving and not have it all figured out yet. Yeah. And that, and that's so important because so many people get hamstrung or stuck in a place of inaction because they're like, oh, well, I can't do anything because I don't have it all figured out. And the truth is, is that you start to figure it out when you start to take action because that's when you collect the data, right? Yeah. So, okay, Jessica, so, I mean, gosh, so many amazing experiences and lessons that you've already shared with us. At this point now in your journey, right, we've gotten to the, the sort of the point where you're, what's the word I'm looking for? You have been sort of injected into this community. You're seeing yoga with fresh eyes, right? The, the practice of it, it's becoming a more of a communal thing for you. And then what happened? One night, did you wake up in the middle of the night and say, aha, Dirty <laughs> South Yoga Festival? Or, or how did that happen? So what uh, made you brave enough to, yeah. to, to say this out loud? Brave enough. Um, yeah, it was definitely a process and it wasn't, um, you know, it was like little seedlings of ideas would pop up. Like I had to plan a, a community fundraiser 
with Lululemon, through my role at Lululemon, and I got to partner with one of my favorite local yoga nonprofits, and we collaborated on this fundraiser, and it went really, really well, and it was great, and it was fun, and I think after that, I was like, I think I want to do more of this. Like, this feels good, um, and then, you know, just being connected to the community and experiencing all these different teachers that for years I had practiced and not been exposed to, um, it made me want to share that with other people. So the festival really came out of me recognizing what I wanted and what was lighting me up and saying, how can I bottle this up and share it with people? Um, And so naturally with those little seedlings, eventually somehow, I don't remember a specific moment, But it came to the point where after having lots of conversations with people and listening to what people want, I was like, I think we need to get everyone together and celebrate our community. And I didn't know, I knew it would be a festival. I didn't know what it would look like. That changed very much just based on like the hand, what was available, the space, the resources, everything like that. But I knew the concept of bringing together community and celebrating it in a festive environment was what I was going for. And, you know, something that, that Jessica didn't mention because she, I mean, she has so many things to, to make sure she remembers to mention is that not only did she do this, um, this festival as a way to celebrate community and bring people together, but she also then took, was it all or some of the proceeds every year and donated to a different nonprofit organization that is somehow using yoga in the community. And I know this because uh, there were a couple of years ago, I was, I was uh, the former board president of a um, an Atlanta nonprofit that was bringing yoga into schools and Dirty South donated some of their festival profits to that organization. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a big component. And especially, you know, I think when I was starting out, because I had that relationship, I think it was Centering Youth was the first year. I had a relationship with them from doing the fundraiser the year before. And, um, you know, when you're working in community and celebrating community, I think it's really important to have a component that gives back as well, because, because, I mean, that really is the, the link between having a one-day event and then having something that goes on to continue to support the community beyond, beyond just a festival. Um, and so that it, translate it translates it to a community and not just one big party. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny because I was just going to say um, that, I mean, Sure, there's tons of yoga festivals out there um, that offer all different types of of ways for you to just come do a class, watch a watch a show or a a concert and leave. But what I love about Dirty South Yoga Fest that's different is that, of course, yes, there's there's physical yoga. Cool. That's happening. But the message of it is so different. There was even one year that there was like a service day. Where yeah. everyone planted trees. Yeah, you know, I just, I just love the the evolution of the event, the flexibility that you and the the sort of the the foresight that you have had 
to allow this to be something that can change, you know, that isn't sort of mired in being the same way every year. Um, I love, as someone that lives in Atlanta, you know, I love the way that your teacher selection has evolved. You know, it's not just the, the teachers everyone would think about, but there's also very excellent teachers that um, people wouldn't know about that maybe teach one or two classes a week at Sun Studio that maybe no one's ever heard of, but have something incredible to bring to the table. Yeah. Um, and I just also love your commitment to what you're doing. So, Jessica, I mean, it has been just so amazing to to have you on and to be able to speak with you about this and, and a little bit about your journey. I know that there's so much you still have left to offer. So talk to talk to us a little bit about this this Chile adventure and, and what did made you uh, put it together. We now know through what you share <laughs> that you have a special connection to Chile you know that that obviously it's a magical place for you what made you decide to partner with some of your other Dirty South uh, yoga teacher regulars and take a trip down there yeah well I mean it's kind of like everything else in my journey that's really like even like you were saying the the things that change from year to year it's really almost following an intuitive um an intuitive I want to say ping or calling or desire. Um, And Chile, as you know, is super special to me personally and my own personal development. Um, And I just noticed that while there are uh, a number of yoga retreats, I didn't see any that were going to Chile. And I loved the idea of being able to share my experience, both with surfing and yoga um, with uh, my community back home, the Atlanta community. So um, Rachel Knowles was was the first person I asked because she's a dear friend and I admire the work that she's doing with her yoga nonprofit. And we we had a podcast briefly that's on hiatus right now. So she's a dear friend and partner and was my, my initial go-to. And then we just chatted and um, we're just looking for someone who brought – um, a little bit of a, a different perspective than us. Um, so Natalie Benaz came to mind. We had done a podcast episode with her and she was absolutely lovely and she'd been teaching for years and um, we thought it was a good compliment to our, what we were offering already between the two of us. She kind of brought something different to the table um, in her knowledge and expertise. So it was an organic thing, um, mostly intuition, and I'm just so, so excited that this is happening. I've been having all these dreams about going back, like literal dreams when I go to sleep about returning, so I'm super, super excited to share this that with is, people. That is very exciting, and something that you said that, again, I really want to highlight that applies across industry, across, we you know, whether you're idea of success is being a great stay-at-home dad or your idea of success is getting that raise in your corporate job or starting your own business you know something Jessica just said is so imperative to 
sort of knowing and having that validation that you're going the right direction. And that's that, as she called it, that intuitive ping, that intuitive calling or desire, that little tap on the shoulder. It's like, hey, take people to Chile, you know, <laughs> um, and then that you actually listen to it yeah. and take steps to see if that is an, uh, the next logical stage, right? If yeah. that, if you have already been at a place of sort of organic and sustained growth, it's like, boom, let's go. Yeah. And if, you know, and if any of you listening are, are from the Southeast, then you know that Jessica is definitely not like a, a, a uh, unknown that is offering this. She has a, a lot of community behind her and I'm sure and confident that her trip will probably sell out. So if you're interested in going to Chile with her, um, there'll be information um, in the show notes to go to their Dirty South webpage. And I can tell you it is right there on the homepage. You just got to scroll down. Um, and Jessica, before we let you go, because you, again, we could talk to you for forever <laughs> because you're just so full of, of wonderful life lessons and, and applicable and practical um, information that is just so valuable on a day-to-day basis. You know, again, whatever success journey uh, the listener may be on. But I always like to ask my guests before we conclude, you know, someone's been listening and they are just so fired up by what they've heard from you and your journey and it's just resonating and maybe they're even seeing themselves in in you and in what you've done and they're like man I just I really I want a one life like Jess uh like Jessica what would be one piece of advice that you could like leave them with that could help them go in that direction Oh gosh, this is hard. <laughs> um, well, I think it's partially like have the courage to listen to that intuitive voice that you have, the one that is kind of in connection with your soul, the thing that lights you up. Have the courage to listen to that and then also just know that it won't necessarily be easy, but the the kinder you can be to yourself in the process, um, the more enjoyable the journey. Because, um, you know, doing something that is out of your comfort zone is going to bring you face to face with all of your other voices. There's like the intuitive one, but then there's also the ones that are really can be negative. And to really learn to be gentle with yourself and tame those voices has been really key for me. Mm, 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 mm. That is profound, Jessica. (laughs) So again, listen to that intuitive voice, be kind to yourself on the journey. Don't be afraid to really figure out what lights you up. As she said, what makes your, your soul feel ignited positively don't be afraid if you're if you're a listener that is you know younger you know you're 25 to 30 or even if you're in your 40s or 50s don't be afraid of that midlife or quarter life crisis this is your intuition's way of getting your attention right don't be afraid to do what is necessary for you to get back in communion with yourself whether that's spending a year in chile or going on a Vipassana, or taking a walk, or putting down the alcohol, or getting on your bike, whatever that is, whatever that means to you, 
don't be afraid to do it. There's a community of people out here who are just alongside of you bravely taking one step at a time. And like Jessica said from the book Pivot by Jenny Blake, the only important step, the only important step is the next step. So think about how you can take a next step that is confident and in alignment with who you are and what you really want. Jessica, thank you so, 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 so much for being here. Um, uh, we will let them know where they can find you. Awesome. Oh, I should let them know. The <laughs> best place is probably DirtySouthYogaFest.com, the website, or we're also all over Instagram, same handle, Dirty South Yoga Fest. Yes, yeah, so find them, follow them, come to Atlanta, go to Chile, experience it. And until next time, you guys, get out there and win life. Awesome.